Well, first, good morning, everyone. I'm David Pumphrey. I'm uh, Deputy Director and Senior Fellow with the Energy and National Security Program here at the CSIS. And um, I thought about making a joke about having an Arctic conference on one of the hottest days of the year in Washington, but I don't think I need to say very much. I think the irony is probably very uh, apparent to everyone. So I'm really glad to see such a great turnout on a day that's uh, is really, truly pretty miserable outside. Um, this event has taken us some time to pull together, and we're, we're really quite happy that uh, we were able to pull um, uh, a terrific set of speakers, especially uh, Senator Murkowski, who will be speaking in a minute. Uh, and it comes out of uh, three threads of work that we've been uh, following here at CSIS, and especially in the Energy and National Security Program. One is the work we're doing on geopolitics of energy, and especially geopolitics of oil, looking at the question of where our future oil supply is going to be coming from. If you look out into the future and look at the constraints on investment worldwide, the Arctic has been one of those areas that has been of interest for some time. And there are many issues that must be dealt with in the development there, but it is one of the most important resources uh, that are open for investment by private entities around the world. The second is a project um, that CSIS has been working on with the Institute for Defense Studies in Norway on the high north in broader terms. So we've done another number of programs on political issues, on environment issues over time. And then finally, we started about just about a year ago a series of conferences in the aftermath of the Gulf oil spill and looking at issues that came up there, the technology, the, the new uh, leasing framework that has come along, the commission's report. And it was clear that development in the Arctic from that perspective was also uh, very important. So we've tried to pick up those themes in today's conference. But um, first, let me introduce uh, Senator Murkowski. It's truly a, a great honor to have Senator Murkowski with us again. She has uh, participated in uh, three or four of our previous conferences um, uh, on the Arctic. And it, it is really great to have her here. She is truly a leader in Washington on issues related to the Arctic, and not just from the perspective of what it means for Alaska, and it means very important things we'll hear during this conference today um, for Alaska and Alaska's development, but also from the international perspective, participated in the Arctic Council meeting with Secretary Clinton, is on the standing committee for the um, uh, parliamentarians of the Arctic region, so really, leadership in that role, and then from our other interest here at the center, which is the energy side, as the ranking member of the Energy um, Committee in the Senate, has shown great leadership in a bipartisan way to address the challenges we're facing in um, the energy uh, sector in the United States. So I think really brings together the threads that brought us to want to do this conference. I think as she has been the embodiment of that in providing leadership in the Congress. There's, of course, with you a, a fuller um, biography um, that I won't go through, but I thought it'd be important to move quickly to uh, have the senator make her remarks since she has a, a tight schedule to meet. And we'll go ahead and, and move forward. Senator. Well, David, thank you. I do appreciate the opportunity to, to be here with you this morning. As I look out uh, among the assembled here, um, I either saw most of you last night on the airplane, um, on the Kenai River on uh, Friday or Saturday or at events in Anchorage. So it's good to see so many folks from home. Um, I, I will tell you, 
coming from Alaska where it's about 62 degrees and it feels good to be here to talk about the Arctic there is just a little bit something that just doesn't feel right. So you refrained from the, the Arctic jokes in the, in, the, in the heat of the heat, but uh, you can't help but get around the reality that, uh, that we are talking about the United States' role as an Arctic nation at a time and in a place where most people just don't get it. They don't recognize our role. They don't see that. They don't feel it. It's just not top of their mind. Unless you're from Alaska, most people in this country just do not envision themselves as being part of an Arctic nation. But because of Alaska, we are one. And as an Alaskan, I'm pretty proud of that fact. Our, our state motto, the, uh, the license plate, that uh, we all drive still has the, the refrain north to the future. And when we became a state a little over 50 years ago, that was, uh, that was a motto, that was a slogan that we, we, we really strove for. And it's just as good today as it was when we became a state some 50 years ago. We have so much resource potential in Alaska, particularly in our Arctic regions. We've got some 24 billion barrels of oil, more than 100 trillion cubic feet of natural gas within the Chukchi and the Beaufort Seas alone. And this is all according to, to the government uh, estimates that are out there. But much of that promise lies just out of reach on federal lands or in federal waters. I believe that we should be able to develop these resources for the good of the people of Alaska, for the good of the nation as a whole, and yes, even for the good of the environment. Responsible oil and gas development and exploration in the Arctic should be allowed to advance. Now, I think that we can all agree that having access to a secure supply of energy is crucial to our nation's economy. Now, I personally believe that uh, we should be promoting policies and working aggressively to promote those policies that ensure that our energy supplies are both abundant, affordable, domestic, and diverse. This is the all-of-the-above approach to energy security. We all talk about it, but this all-of-the-above approach includes investing in our energy technologies of tomorrow and the responsible development of the traditional resources that we depend on today. As far as the environment goes, I would argue that oil and gas production here in the United States is among the best in the world. We know that we're held to environmental um, standards that are, that are tough, they're stringent. So you have to ask the question, wouldn't it be better, isn't it better to take responsibility for our own energy needs as a nation with all of the environmental protections that that, that entails instead of relying on foreign nations to produce our energy. I think that the United States needs to be the leader in offshore energy development. Look at, look at the situation uh, just over to the east where Russia is drilling right off of our maritime boundary there in the Chukchi on potentially the same oil reserves as the U.S. side. We need to be, the United States needs to be, 
the one who is setting the standard and working with the Russians to make sure that they're following our lead when it comes to the environmental standards and the safeguards. When we talk about the potential for producing more oil and gas here at home, I think it's fair to say that, that the Arctic truly is that last great frontier. We've got approximately 20 percent, 22 percent of the estimated oil and gas resources left in the world that are believed to be within the Arctic, much of it off the northern coast of Alaska. Now, there is a tendency um, to suggest that it might not be safe, it might not be economical to explore and to produce oil and gas in the Arctic. But the fact of the matter is, it's already happening. The technology and the engineering behind some of the existing and proposed activities is advancing rapidly. And while we in Alaska are, are struggling at this point in time to, to jumpstart our own offshore development, our neighbors on all sides of us, on all sides, are engaging in, in quite an effort to capitalize on the region's untapped potential with significant investments within the region. Six of the eight member nations of the Arctic Council are, are exploring or developing their energy resources off of their coasts as we speak. Russia, they've recognized that their natural resource future lies in the Arctic. They're investing heavily in the region. Uh, it was very significant when after 40 years of negotiating, Norway and Russia signed a historic new treaty on mar maritime delimination and cooperation in the Barents Sea and Arctic Ocean. And while there had been a long history of cooperation on straddling fish stocks, the new treaty also addresses energy development across the new boundary and creates a joint operating agreement. This treaty also provides an excellent example for us of the type of international cooperation that we recognize is possible within the Arctic. The Russians are investing in the port of Murmansk as the base for the Arctic um, marine infrastructure. Some of the critical investments will be public-private partnerships that include foreign capital. They're also contemplating upgrading their nuclear icebreaker fleet while continuing to build ice strength and commercial ships to carry minerals, hydrocarbons, passengers, and cargo through the ice-covered northern waters. But here in the United States, it's a little bit different story. We've got the Coast Guard, the Navy, we've got the Army Corps of Engineers. They're continuing to study the potential infrastructure needs within Alaska. But we're not moving forward with any significant new investments or, I think, the strategies that are necessary to do so. With the scheduled decommissioning of the Polar Sea, the Coast Guard will only maintain one heavy icebreaker in its fleet, which is not expected to return to service until 2013. Now, we recognize that we're lagging behind here in this country. I do think that there is widespread agreement that the U.S. policy has recognized the strategic importance of the Arctic to the national and the economic security of the country, but we're doing very little to increase our capability to implement our policies. Beyond Russia, the other Arctic nations are also investing in infrastructure for energy development and maritime commerce. Much of the investment is coming from international companies in partnership with Arctic states. I think it's important to recognize that in, uh, in Alaska just a couple weeks ago, uh, a, a very um, 
a very worthwhile conference was held, the Arctic Imperative Conference, that gathered people from not only uh, Alaska but around the country and internationally to come together to look at where these gaps are, to focus on the infrastructure side. Given, given the lack of infrastructure within the Alaskan Arctic, it is crucial that we figure out how we promote this kind of investment. One of the big differences uh, that we're seeing here in the United States is the lack of regulatory certainty here. Um, it is absolutely inhibiting our investment within this sector. Well, oil companies have invested billions of dollars in offshore leases, we're yet to drill an exploratory well. So whether it's the regulatory hurdles, whether it's litigation, um, it, it does appear that until there is certainty, until we have some certainty in the regulatory environment, both state and federal, as well as the public-private investment, Arctic infrastructure is going to be very challenging here within the United States. And while our neighbors are moving ahead with development in their own Arctic regions, we are seeing an increase in cooperation among the Arctic nations, and this is good. Uh, David mentioned that I had attended the seventh ministerial meeting of the Arctic Council in Nuuk, Greenland. I attended uh, with Secretary Clinton. Secretary Salazar uh, also was with us, and I was pleased at the Arctic Council's decision to form a new task force to negotiate international agreements for oil spill response and, and preparedness. The decision to start these negotiations, I think, is evidence of the strong commitment to proactively address budding issues in the region and to create international protocols to prevent and respond to offshore oil spills within the region that are becoming increasingly accessible to exploration. The spirit of cooperation that I think we see amongst Arctic nations should be reassuring to all those in the United States that are interested in protecting the marine environment as well as securing our energy future. And as we begin the process of developing our Arctic energy resources, I think we all know we can't make any mistakes here. There can be no mistakes along the way. We've got one chance to get it right. An accident such as the spill that shut down the Gulf of Mexico last year could be the end of offshore Arctic energy production. Now that sounds pretty serious, but I think we know that uh, it is serious and we must get it right. That's why it's crucial that our policies provide for strong environmental protection and oversight while promoting responsible development. That combination will require oversight that is predictable and provides energy companies with a clear regulatory path, something that they currently do not have. A rubber stamp regulatory process doesn't serve our twin goals of protection and production, but neither does the uncertainty that we've seen under the current process. We know that we've got tremendous, tremendous resources up north. The potential billions of barrels of oil equivalent in offshore Alaska, not to mention the billions of oil reserves in Anwar and in the National Petroleum Reserve Alaska. We talk a lot about sustainable development, but a clear statement to guide activities, to guide investment, and to prioritize federal resources, I think is crucial in moving forward with development 
within these areas. We are lacking a coherent national energy policy that identifies our resources and our strategies to develop them. The state of Alaska has set a very ambitious goal of increasing production to a million barrels a day, a million barrels a day throughout our Trans-Alaska oil pipeline. And I commend the state for this. And I hope that the federal government will also have the vision to develop such a policy. This is something that we should all be moving forward with. And while I have expressed um, frustration, sometimes great frustration, with the progress that we're making on energy development in the North, I am growing more confident that through the input of the Arctic community at large and leaders such as, as those of you that are gathered here in this room this morning, we are making the case for the strategic importance of the Arctic to the United States, for our energy security, for our national and homeland security, and for the incredible economic benefits that the region can bring to this country. I want to thank you all for being part of that Arctic community and for helping me to carry the message to the rest of this Arctic nation. I think I probably have time for maybe one question. We've got, uh, we've got a hearing this morning in energy on geothermal potential. So as, uh, as much as I want to talk about oil and gas in the Arctic, I think we also recognize that in a state like Alaska, where we've got a little bit of everything, geothermal is also good. We've also got an, uh, a solar uh, bill before the committee this morning. People don't think about Alaska as being a solar producing state. Come to Kotzebue, we'll show you. What, what can I answer here quickly this morning? Thank you for your attention. You're all quiet. Uh, we got you warmed okay, up. Here we go. I can, I can guess it's about law of the sea. <laughs> <laughs> I know your answers on that, yeah, and, and I'm, I'm happy with them, but I won't uh, force you through that. Um, I had a chance to go up to MIT and talk to some of the engineering people there, and um, they have cut back their ocean engineering department, folded it into mechanical engineering. But as I look at, at issues in Alaska and even in, in uh, the far eastern part of Russia, it seems to me that we do need an improved um, training and education program to build people who know the special issues of Arctic engineering, of habitation, of health care in, in the Arctic. A whole host of problems that are more than just send somebody up there and learn on their own. Um, have you seen the roots of a, a more coordinated effort to build that, that educational infrastructure so that we really can develop in a sustainable way our Arctic resources and even help Russia be sustainable in theirs? Well, it's an excellent question as we're, we're looking to build that capacity. You're sitting uh, right next to our, our, the former chancellor of the University of Alaska system in Anchorage, Fran Ulmer, who will be one of your speakers later on and is the chair of the, the Arctic Research Commission now. But that is something that within our university systems, particularly up in Fairbanks, the effort to build out those Arctic areas of expertise, whether it's Arctic engineering or, 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 or others. But, but our reality is we are not, in my opinion, Alaska is not yet that, uh, that center of excellence, if you will, for training 
of those that we will need to, to lead the Arctic forward, whether it's in the research end, whether it's in how we uh, enhance our infrastructure. I think that we have much, much, much uh, that remains to be done. I will tell you, in this day of, of pretty severe and substantial budget cuts and how we are dealing with uh, the, the issues that await us uh, on Capitol Hill in, in determining how we move forward with, with spending and budget, I'm worried about what will happen to the research side of many aspects of our budget. This is going to be key to us, whether it's in how we develop our, our energy resources, whether it's how we respond to a changing climate with, with infrastructure uh, needs and issues. Um, we, we are best able to do that if we have the research if we have the data that we need to back us. And my fear is that these research dollars will be, uh, will be reduced and we will see uh, the, the negative repercussions on this. This is something that I'm trying to bring up with the administration folks to make sure that they understand that when we're looking to areas that we cut, that investments in research are not going to be helpful to us. So help help me with that initiative. If there's nothing else, I'll let you go on to your next speaker, but I, I appreciate the opportunity to once again be with you and stay cool down here. <laughs>